0: All right, here we go. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for um, just the ability to be here this morning, a building to meet in. Um, a, a church family, like community that is refreshing, like that brings refreshing to be around each other. And so God, we pray that you would speak to us by your spirit, through your word. Lord, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see what you want us to, to hear and see and, and understand. Lord, soften our hearts and help us to strive to follow you, be more like you. Um, and we love you, Lord, and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys may be seated. So Paul uh, has been encouraging Timothy. Uh, little background, really quick background. This letter was written to Timothy. He's like a son in the faith to Paul, and they're in Ephesus. Uh, the, Timothy's ministering in Ephesus. Vibrant work happened in Ephesus. Really, really cool stuff. False teachers had come in and started to to popula like bring you know really bad doctrine into the population, and so a lot of people are finding themselves. Uh, messed up by it, and so Paul's sending Timothy in there, and, and he's saying, Timothy, reestablish the church, and do it like this. So what we have in Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, are what we call a pastoral epistles, letters to the pastors. And so, of course, we get great uh, understanding of what was happening in Ephesus in, you know, first century, um, but we also get really good uh, understanding as to, like, how a church should operate. And so there's some really good stuff in there um, that they they continue to follow. God's ordained and ordered way. Last week we touched on uh, women's roles in ministry um, and where we all fit. So we were talking about that. There should be, I don't know if the podcast got up last week. Hopefully it'll be up this week. If you missed it, you can can check in on that. Uh, But this week we're going to be looking at the role of the episcopae, that would be the way to describe what we see here, uh, bishop, um, more commonly uh, called el- uh, um, overseer, that would be like the more common use of the term, a little bit different potentially than elder, uh, or, or I mean than pastor, what we call pastor, which is like a shepherd, but it would be like someone running and overseeing church ministry, so I think it would be close to what we would see, you know, now as like a pastor, um, and then next week we'll be talking about the role of a deacon, like those servants who are part of um, the the physical, a lot of the physical ministry that happens in a church. Both positions of leadership are absolutely needed in the church, and both uh, both of which the people involved in need to take their calling seriously. So while this is a call to those who are in leadership, it does not mean it's not a call to everyone. Um, I think that these are really signs of mature believers, not just of, well, oh, good, this will be just for the pastor, so preach it to yourself, you know. This is like signs of mature believers, and, and a leader's got to be a mature believer, or else what are they leading you to, to or towards? So, but, but keep in mind, as you're hearing these things, don't just go, oh, thank goodness I'm not a pastor. I don't want to do any of those things, you know. <laughs> This is more, like, for it's a lot more for all of us than we would think, but it's absolutely uh, essential for a pastor, okay, or leaders, uh, high leaders ordering uh, a church, those who are in, in like board-type, you know, leadership positions, um, overseeing many. So, uh, verse 1, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop or overseer, he desires a good work. It, first of all, it is good to aspire to the calling and the position of leadership that, in the church. Whatever God calls you to, however he leads you, it is good to do it. Um, I, I've been heard, I think my old, old pastor, the original senior pastor I had when I first got saved, would say, like, if you could do, I think it's a Spurgeon quote, if you could do anything besides ministry, do it. If you have to do ministry, you have to do it, which I, I actually understand that. It kind of shows your true calling, but the idea and the calling of being in this position of leadership, it's, it's a good thing, but it's also work. <laughs> it, it's not gonna be easy. I, I think I had it in my mind when I first got into ministry. I, I would see some of the pastors and I felt like they were like just drinking Starbucks all the time and like kind of cruising around or whatever, and before they get on a plane to go speak somewhere, you know, and I'm like, wow, that looks really interesting, you know. And then um, then I became an intern. And my job was cleaning the toilets uh, after the first three services before the night one. And, um, you know, things started to change at that point. Um, and you start getting into vol- involved in more and more and you find out this is a lot of labor and this is a lot of, of hard stuff. And, and then you start walking through stuff with people and you go, oh, the actual physical labor was the easy part. The people are actually the hardest and best part. So it's a, it's a good work. It's a good work. Uh, and so as we look at these qualifications, it's, it's not just leadership calling, but it's, it's, it's for all of us. But to follow God and to serve in the ministry, it's, it's going to take effort, right? And, but there's nothing worth having that doesn't take work. Everything takes work, right? If you want to be good at something, it takes effort. Uh, obviously our salvation is by God's grace alone, but there's no doubt our sanctification as we grow closer to him is certainly affected by our discipline. So like the way that we're disciplined and the way, the effort that we put into our relationship with the Lord absolutely matters. Otherwise, uh, we could come to the conclusion, man, God is like not doing so good with me here. What, What are you doing? Why are you messing up my? Why are you not changing me fast enough? No, we have a big part in this. It's God who who transforms our lives through the through the work of Christ. But then we have effort and and we put effort in to see God continue to work in this. It's, our sanctification is certainly affected by our, by our discipline. To be like Jesus means to put in the effort and discipline and to trust. Uh, effort and discipline to trust in the grace of God, the power of his spirit and the truth of his word. That's really what it comes down to, right? Uh, We wanna be like Jesus. So what this means is we put in and discipline ourselves and put work towards trusting in the grace of God, trusting him in that, right? Uh, In the power of his Holy Spirit, believing that God can really transform lives. And I think this is the key A cleaned-up version of your old self is not what we're looking for. We want to see, like, transformation, where there's legitimate, like, real change. And I love that I see that in our church. I mean, I've seen it for myself. I can see it. Uh, And and that's just so beautiful. And that is such a powerful uh, testimony. But then also to trust him at his word. So that's where we find ourselves, right? Uh, Disciplining ourselves to to believe in what he's done, uh, to continue to believe in what he's doing, and um, to trust him at his word. It's important to understand we'll never be perfect, but this is like the desire and the aim and the direction of a leader. Because especially as we get like deeper into it when it's like, uh, don't be quarrelsome. Um, you know, make sure that your house is completely in order. And you're like, I snapped at my kid yesterday. Someone else has to do the message. You know, like we're, it's, we are, the idea is that you are moving towards desiring and putting great effort towards becoming more and more like this person described here in First Timothy chapter 3. So don't be discouraged uh, in a sense where you're like, oh, I'm, I, I'm not there, so therefore I can never be used. Uh, no. God wants to work in that, but it starts with the desire. I think a lot of times we're just lazy. We don't want to be more than we are, right? We don't want to see God move us further on. We're like, I got salvation. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. No need to go any further down the road here. Verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, and able to teach. So the idea of blameless, it's irreproachable. That's what the, the word means. Or less open to criticism. Mature. Uh, the idea is that there's nothing, there's no easy way to have like an indictment against them. Right? You're, you're not leaving a bunch of holes for people to poke into. You're, you're living a life that is mature and that is above reproach as much as possible. Right? So you're not an easy target for, for people to to take you down because you've got, like, really corrupted character. Um, it, by the way, as a leader, the this section is terrifying. You just say that. <laughs> like, because you're just like, it's just like, you're looking at it, you're like, how am I on this? How am I on this? And I, that's why I think it's good to go, all right, Lord, here's where I think I'm at. Can you f- please help me grow in this? Can I be better at that? Can I grow into this? Can I be better at that? Okay, so uh, a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Uh, there's been debate about this. Um, is, does it mean, you know, that you can't be remarried? Does it mean that you can't be single? Of course, Paul was seemingly single at this point. Um, uh, Jesus was single, and they had pretty good ministries. Um, so that, that doesn't seem to be the case. I don't think it's, it's remarriage either. That doesn't seem like necessarily the issue, because the essence of it is a one-woman man. That's like, that's like the essence of the word, a one-woman man, that uh, a husband is, is all about his wife. That's my wife. I'm a one-woman man. <laughs> and so I'm lucky because she's a good one. I picked good. I didn't even know how good I picked, but I picked good. Um, but that's the idea. So, uh, but that's really, really important, you know, that you be a one-woman man. Uh, that you, you, you look at them and there is no other. Of course, we see uh, what's really interesting is as we go down this list, and you could think of maybe you, you know of pastors who have failed, they're all on the list. It's all right there on the list. And so God, like, really, it's not, this is not descriptive, it's prescriptive. Like, this is, this is what it should look like. And if not, you are putting yourself in danger, You've heard it said before, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You put yourself in bad position, or nothing good happens after midnight, right? These are, these are all kind of like ideas that seem to come true with time, you know? It, it, it's, it's interesting how almost like formulaic life can be when you look at what God tells you to do and you decide to neglect it or, or just not heed it at all. It's like the results are, they just come. They're, they're just going to come. It's like two plus two equals four. This will be the result of that. You can't expect it not to be the result of that. Just like if you choose to be lazy in your relationship with the Lord, you can expect not really to grow much. So, um, or if you allow sin in, in the house, you can expect it to take way more than you expected it, than you would think it would, it would do. So this is the, these are those things, you know, Um, we got to be really, really mindful of, because a one-woman man, that's a big issue, right? A lot of times, you know, there can be like this authority, and and it can be downright abusive. I don't want to get into the, because it gets really messy and ugh, but it it can all be saved by being a one-woman man, you know, for the leadership. In an order house, a man must be faithful to his commitment of his marriage. We're going to talk about the order of the house, but he's got to be faithful to his commitment uh, of his marriage. Um, temperate. The idea of temperate is is it, it's sober, not giving uh, given into crazy extremes, proving yourself to be unstable. Um, I think early on, uh, especially during the pandemic, it, everybody was all over the place. You know, it's like trying to figure out this way and that way, and uh, and I, I I feel like. God has been trying to show me, relax, like just wait, don't jump on that, don't jump on that bandwagon, don't jump on that bandwagon, just relax, be temperate, be, be under control, you know, just, just don't give in to crazy extremes, don't do that, stay stable, trust God, you know, even as, it's, it's interesting, I think it's in, is it Matthew 24 or Matthew? I think it's Matthew 24 where uh, Jesus is saying like, talking about the end times, you know? And he's like, there's gonna be wars. There's gonna be rumors of wars. There's gonna be all these things going on. And he says, but don't be troubled. I'm telling you this so you're not troubled. So you don't worry about it. But it's funny, we were talking, uh, I was talking with a group of friends and they were saying, this is the exact passage people use to be troubled. When the Bible says, don't be, I'm telling you this so you're not troubled. Don't worry about it. Like, I, I, I've, I've got it. This is, don't, this is not the place of a Christian to do this sort of a thing and to be all stressed out. And so it brings like a steady hand to a crazy world that goes like this, back and forth. So leaders need to be that. Uh, and, and be able to like be temperate and trust God and believe God and not be moved by every little wind of everything. We, usually when you're moved by it, that, it's you are driven by fear, not by God. And those don't go together. They actually are like polar opposites. And so that even when you think or act like you're doing it for God, you're actually promoting like a false gospel in a sense. Because that is not what God would do or ask you to do. So you know, temperate for leaders. Um, sober-minded. This, this means like being self-controlled or, or prudent. This is having, we've got to have eyes wide open. That's being sober-minded, right? Uh, to the elements uh, of these words and, and like, you know, looking around at what's going on. We've got to be sober-minded with where we're at. We've got to have our eyes wide open to really what's going on around us and to be able to apply wisdom when we see it right? As we looking around and, and, and we see that the days are evil and we see that there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on, we've got to be those that are, our words are full of wisdom, seasoned with salt, that we would know how we ought to answer each person in that. That's being sober minded, right? Because what's the alternative to being sober minded? You're in an alternate reality that's based on checking out. Leaders can't check out can't put our heads in the sand, but we've always got to be hopeful because that's we have hope. There is never a time when we don't have hope. And that hope really stands against hopelessness that the world gives. But when the church becomes hopeless, oh, help us. I mean, there's, what are we preaching? So sober-minded, eyes wide open, remembering the beginning to the end. God's got it. And, And then doing the most we can with what, is around us. Uh, Then it says, husband and wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, that our conduct would line up with what we preach. Um, This actually is a word that's tied in with, remember the section for the women about modesty, um, about the way that they would dress and the way they would do their hair when it was all about like kind of like a fashion show Um, it's it's, it's got a similar meaning to that, of good behavior, that our conduct would line up with what we believe, that our lives would reflect what we say we believe. What's one of the greatest, um, you know, charges against the church from the outside? Hypocrisy. You say one thing, you do the other, right? In church, they say this, but they don't mean it. Or they go to church, but they don't actually follow Jesus or act anything like him. Of course, we can all be there. It's super easy to be there. But the idea is that we are about what we say we're about, which is really an honesty, transparency, but also hopefulness and growth to not stay with where we're at, but move forward. Um, Hospitable and able to teach. Hospitable, uh, it's like loving strangers, not just being about yourself. Um, And really this changed. Romans 5 tells us, I've been doing these studies on the atonement, which is awesome because Easter's coming up. Uh, By the way, I think I I I think we have the goods lined up for Easter, so we'll have the goods again. You're like, yeah. Now you know. At first, I'm like, they're donuts. Like, I've had donuts. If you had the goods, yeah, they're better, right? So, uh, so that's going to be hopefully for Easter. But when we're looking at Easter, we're looking at the atonement. What really took place when Jesus died on the cross? How does that make us? right between, between, before us and God. And so one of the views of atonement is recapitulation. And this is uh, first Adam, death in Adam, second Adam, Christ, life in Christ, right? And you can find this in Romans chapter five, where we're dead in Adam. He's our first representative. Jesus comes as our second representative and brings new life. For those who are in Christ, they're now part of a new Adam, Right? Not Adam, A-T-O-M, but Adam, A-D-A-M. A (laughs) A renewed vision of humanity. God, the God-man. You know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. So then we're made new in him. But this is the really cool thing, and this is how it kind of works in the hospitable thing. Is that in Adam, death came and reigned and divided. What's the first thing you see with the, the next two people in Scripture after Adam and Eve? They have two sons. What are their names? Cain and Abel. What happens? They fight and they murder, right? Cain murders Abel out of jealousy. So what happened when, with Adam is, is division, and all of a sudden, we are separated and we're divided. So the symptoms you see around us are a symptom of the kingdom of Adam. This is, this is the ideology that's still in the first Adam. But in Christ, everything changed. He made us new, and we're like, yes. And, uh, he made us uh, righteous before a holy God, and we're like, yes. Uh, he made us heaven-bound, we're like, yes, absolutely. We're stoked with that, we're into that. But he also did so much more. He went from us all being divided to being reunited and unified. He put back the image of God as as the higher value when we look at one another. So Jesus even said this, Matthew 25, 40, he says, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So we have these images of where we see Uh, uh, charitable deeds, hospitality offered out to random people, Jesus is saying you've basically done it as unto me. There's like a reunifying and value of as you do this to these people, it's like you've done it unto me. That is in the second Adam, that's in Christ. So our hospitality and our loving of strangers is based on the fact that in doing so, we're like loving Christ, do you get that? It's like a seismic change from division, from from like separation to um, being reunited in love. It's really cool. I was like nerding out on that this week. I was like all pumped. I'm like, whoa. From separation to reunification. So when you see the world around you, you go, that's what, of course, that's what the world does. This is all the world has ever done but the believers who are part of a new kingdom who are in the second Adam, which is Christ, new creation, unity. So we bring peace. We bring shalom back to the world. You know, the idea of, of sin, uh, it's, it's, I'm reading this book, it's really interesting, it's called, um, not the way it should be, and it's about sin. And the idea is that sin just breaks shalom. Sin breaks peace. That's all it's ever done. But in Christ, we could see him bringing it back. Uh, So when you see it that way, it actually helps, right? Able to teach. You're like, you're on verse one, and we're going long. Don't worry, we'll catch up. Able to teach. Teaching is a big deal in the role of leadership, right? There's a huge lack of understanding in the global church. Um, And and I think a lot of times it's because we've sold out legit teaching for like, Quit, like clips that can go viral, you know? And, and it's not to say those clips don't matter, they do matter, but like it, it takes time to develop um, and to grow in real teaching and real understanding. And it's vitally important that church leaders know what to teach and know how to teach, right? The, discip- the uh, discipleship by teaching is what Jesus charged the disciples to do in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Doing what? Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. Go and disciple them, teach them. So that's part of the job of a leader. Verse three, not given to wine. Most translations say uh, drunkenness, not given to drunkenness. Later, we'll see Timothy is charged to use wine medicinally for his stomach. Um, he's probably told that because he's not drinking. Um, that's why he says just use it as a, in a medicine sense, uh, medicinal sense. It was common, especially in that era. Uh, but drunkenness has always been a serious problem. Um, those who go and get drunk, it's always been a serious problem, and it's never highlighted in a good way through Scripture. There's a reason where to be sober-minded. That's the idea of being sober. Sober-minded is a big deal. It's easy to take advantage of people who are drunk. It's very easy. You can hype them up, and you can get them to act like a fool really, really easily because they don't have any discernment when they're in an intoxicated state. You know how I know this? Because we play in a city softball league. And so it does not take much for these guys to act like absolute fools, especially when they're intoxicated. They actually don't need to be intoxicated, but it helps. Right? And so if it's that easy for us to manipulate one another, how much easier is it for the, for the devil to do that? So drunkenness is a major, major, major problem. Um, And so that's something that cannot be part of the life of a leader. It's not something that can be happening. We do dumb things, we're intoxicated, and there's no scriptural backing for getting drunk. There just isn't. Um, It's often spoken of negatively and and given prominent roles in some of the big mistakes. You think about like Noah, you know, and and many, many others, right? Uh, Proverbs talks about it, strong drink, drunkenness. This is not... Places for people who are involved in leadership or people who want to be effective in the church to have anything to do with it, Um, and it actually kind of, it kind of gets to a deeper point. Like why? We were talking about this last night. Like why do you need that? Why are you doing this? What's really going on in you? So we have to ask ourselves that question, um, actually about all these things. But I think this is one that's that's. It can be so interesting in the church, just to be honest. Because you could have some that are like, you know, if you ever look at it or touch it or whatever, you're, you know, you're in so much trouble. And then others that are like, it's no big deal. And then they push it too hard pretty often. Um, but there's a balanced approach to it. You know, I, you guys probably know me personally. I am come from alcoholic family background. It's not got a place in my life anyway. Just Because my fam- we just don't do this well. Like, at all, like, you know, I'd be on the other softball teams if this was the case, you know. Um, so, for me, it's not something I want anything to do with and has no value for my, my life, or my family's life. Um, I've, again, biblically speaking, though, one of Jesus' first miracles was turning water into wine. So, what do you do with that, right? <laughs> so, there's, there's not, it's not like an anti-thing. Drunkenness, 100%. You know, so there's there's like a a part where it's like, yeah, you could see that that makes sense. You can have that in your life. Drunkenness, big time problem. Can't have it. So uh, if you find yourself getting closer and closer to that, watch out. Also, another thing is, if you can't not have it, it's time to do inventory of your life (laughs) because that might be another issue uh, too. But. You know, like again, he tells Timothy, hey, take some wine, don't, don't be weird about this, but don't let it control you. All these things are things that will control you, right? Womanizers, this will take you out of the ministry. Drunkenness will take you out of the ministry. Not caring about people will take you out of the ministry. All of that stuff is, it's, it's there to, to mess you up. So don't be given to any of these things, all right? Not violent. Uh, so really what this is talking about is not being a bully. Sadly, that's the case, There's a lot of like pastoral leadership. This is why when pastors get charged for like doing something horrible, they get charged worse because of their um, authoritative like ability. Like the things that you say have more authority because even though you're not God, it can seem like it's coming from God. Like, oh, God used his pastor to speak. Be careful. Be really, really careful uh, about that. But also... Do not be a bully, you know? Don't, don't force, your, force people to, to get your way. Look to God to change people, not your own resources. Don't, it's, it's like, that's one of the most frustrating things. It's the same thing as having kids. When you see something and you're like, oh, this one's so obvious. I could see this is not going the right direction and you want to change it. And it's like, you, it's in your mind, like I could, I could force them to not do this. You're like, yeah, and that will not work. Just like with your kids, you know? Ugh, don't you we're gonna lock you in your room until you're 35. No, you won't. You will go to jail if you do that. And you shouldn't. The best way is to change the mind. Again, the idea of repentance is a changed mindset, a new understanding. How does that happen? God does that. And when we speak to people, we speak to them inquisitively, looking to talk and to bring things up where we need to and praying that God would use it not coercively right um not driven or greedy for money this is this means like fond of dishonest gain this takes pastors out again all the time the love of money strips away the heart and sympathy of Jesus it will warp your values and your vision Billy Graham says, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. And that is so true. The love of money causes all kinds of issues we'll see later. It's the love of money is the root of evil, not money. Money is is valuable and it's useful for the kingdom. But if you love it and it's, it's where you find your value, please find it in Christ. Gentle, being kind, having a, gentle, a general charity for others uh, for, and, and seeing them as like made in the image of God. That's the idea of being gentle, that you care about people. Not quarrelsome, but peaceable. Don't bring every little thing up and be a pain to those around you. Let it go. You know, this last week we played in our softball game, there was a couple guys that were like antagonists that were, like, trying to escalate stuff. I was so proud of our guys to be able to not go there, you know? Because it's, it's just, like, it's so easy to get sucked in, because they're, they're trying to, like, egg you on and, and act ridiculous. And, and uh, it was funny, after the game, the umpire told uh, one of my friends who, who is, runs another team, he's like, I can't stand that team. And so, you know, I have a feeling the umpire was rooting for us to win in that last inning. And to me, that's such a value to see us not get in the middle of that because that doesn't usually happen. So that's the idea of not being quarrelsome. And by the way, this means you're going to have to eat it sometimes. Just don't go there. Yeah, the idea of forgiveness sometimes is, is... uh, we think, oh, if I forgive, it'll just be gone. No, forgiveness is you take it on yourself. Like you decide, I'm not gonna let that be a thing and I will take this on myself and forgive. So that's the idea. That's how you're not quarrelsome. Um, and that's that's got no place in in church leadership or really in the church in general. And quarrelsome pastors cause, they get a lot of views on YouTube, but like they cause major division in the church. And I think it's like, we're going to be accountable for all that. What you did and how you did it. Covetous. Here's another problem. Wanting what others have. Another major issue. This is disastrous in the life of a church leader. You want, you're trying to make your church look like another church. I wish it was big like that. I wish we had a stage like that. I wish we had this like that. That's covetous. I found great um, solace in verses that were taught to me by the pastor I was under in Orange County, Aaron, shepherd the flock among you, not the ones who aren't here. It's like, this is, this is who's here. And I love who's here. And that frees you. Because if you're trying to like be something you're not and try to reach something you're not, not only are you not gonna get there by doing that, because you can never be like anyone else. And by the way, when you can be like somebody else, you'll find out that they had way more problems than you thought but you can not miss the people around you. You can love those like here, now, and that's just so freeing and good. Okay, verse four, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Moving on. No, I'm just kidding. This would be the hardest one in some sense, right? Uh, No. Um, One that does not, or, you know, this is some, we're looking for someone who doesn't hang his family out to dry. This has been another issue throughout generations where a pastor viewed the church more valuable than their family. And how, do you, how was it uh, seen? Well, look at all the people coming in. Well, we know that's not the fruit of necessarily things being good, right? And so it's not hanging your family out to dry. Uh, I could say as the only person that's here full time, there was always more to do, <laughs> and I have to I have to be careful, like because it was like okay Monday's my day off. Now I drop the kids off at school, and now I'm here Monday. I just do it. <laughs> it's like Monday, Monday, late, late Friday, Sunday. You know, it's like <sighs> slow down, calm down. You know, not and, don't, and, I, and I'm, I I think about that at night like man I gotta my kids, my family first, ministry, my wonderful wife who is a saint. But a messed up household means a messed up life in general. And, and it will cause more and more issues the further you go down that road. It's also important to understand, sometimes you can parent well, and your kids just do stupid stuff. You raised them, right? They just decided to be dumb. And you know what? You were probably dumb too, so they got it from you. <laughs> That's like a lineage thing. That's like in your DNA, you know? But it's important to understand, it's like, you know, sometimes you can raise them completely right, and then they go off and do their own thing as an adult. What can you do? You, you continue to pray for them. You continue to model Jesus to them. But this doesn't mean that, that you're out. You can't do ministry, as far as I see it. This is when your house is out of order. So um, it's important to have that. Uh, because part of it is you can't lead where you haven't gone yourself. So uh, verse 6, not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Um, So this is not a new convert, a new believer, knowing the danger pride can have, especially in those raised up too quickly. It is so important. I'm so glad that my first job in the church world was cleaning toilets. I'm serious. I mean, it sounds like not cool. Like, is that abusive? I mean, <laughs> it's like the work, and especially like when you look at like the hours, and you're like, how much you're getting paid? You're like, I don't know if this meets the standards, you know, but it's such a good thing for you to enter into in humility. Like, you're nothing. You think you're someone, you're not. And this is unfortunately Extra common in, among those who either have great gifting or great influence. Um, those, so, if you have great gifting, your natural ability to speak, or you're an amazing guitar player and singer, you can, you can like, so you start leading worship. Um, just, the, it's again, the formula, it's like, it's undefeated. The, re- the results are out. It does not work well. It does not end well. All of these things that we're talking about speak to character before anything else. Without the character comes catastrophe. It's just coming, right? And so it's hard though, because especially when you're like, gosh, I need a worship leader. Man, this guy's really good. Ah, just kind of put him up there. And then all of a sudden they're really good and everybody's like, whoa, you're amazing, all this and that. And they're like, oh, they don't know. I'm kind of a mess, And I'm not doing really too good. And then all of a sudden, I better not show that to anybody. And then all of a sudden, it turns into a thing. You start getting more prideful and all this and that. So it can be someone who's really, really talented or someone who's like got great influence. I think this is a lot of times when we see celebrities become Christians and then they're not. It's because they, as soon as they get saved, they're thrown on the biggest stages. Get up there so everyone can see you. They are not ready for this. They're not ready. They haven't been discipled. So Paul is saying, Timothy, don't put a novice in a position where they're only going to fail. If you love them, be slow with them. Give it time. Develop them. Or else it's going to be a disaster for them because what's going to happen? They'll be puffed up with pride and fall into the same condemnation as the devil. They'll think they're something they aren't and they'll, they'll, go, across, they'll go right past a the line they shouldn't cross. Disaster. This is a warning to all of us, right? And I remember even thinking, like, when I first got saved, I was just like, man, I really want to just serve God. And and it's like I couldn't get to serving fast enough. I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there. You know, I want to do this. I want to be a part of it. And it just seemed like it was slower than I expected. And I'm so grateful for that. It's like God's protection and wise leadership that said, whoa, whoa. That didn't look like something we want to see in your life. <laughs> Let's slow this whole thing down a little bit, you know? Oh, and now you are in leadership, but it's going to come with like a very hard season and breaking because God cannot use you to, to the utmost unless you've been broken in some sense. Otherwise, you're just like, what do you give? What do you have to give? I mean, that's where we get like these like cheery, cheery things I can't stand. Like, what? who are you, you know? Wake up, hey everyone, how's every? You know, it's like, I, your secrets scare me the most, you know, because I don't know what is going on with that, you know. Not to say you shouldn't be happy and have good countenance, but it's like, bro. Anyways. So, not a novice, because we don't want to be puffed up, and we don't want to end up in the same condemnation as the devil. You know what's funny? He, was, he fell into it first. And his Misery loves company. Just wants to bring everybody else down in the same way. Again, how do how do we uh, combat this? It's discipleship. I remember hearing at the pastors' conference some years ago? There was this guy, uh, and he's really big in the, in the music world. And and his whole thing was this: We've got to disciple those uh, who come in, and especially it was his was influencers, people who have natural influence because they have this ability to say things and people believe them, but they shouldn't. they'll, They'll listen because you seem to have all these people following you, so you must have authority, but they shouldn't. So his thing is not, because a lot of times the church is like, wow, you can get a lot of people to come here now, thank you. You'll be used greatly. And it's like, no, don't do that. Pull them away and disciple them teach them what it means to follow Jesus. Give them get them into a place of a disciplined life so that when they do approach being able to do ministry, they're ready for it. And they're not going to be shipwrecked because the damage that's done when they fall is way way worse than not having them in the first place. Was it uh Garth Brooks? Not a fan personally too much but god bless you if you are but as he had the one was like one of god's greatest gifts unanswered prayers right it's kind of the idea it's not biblical necessarily i guess but uh no the idea was that you thought you wanted this and it would actually turned out to destroy you And, and that is so obvious you thought you wanted paul was so good at understanding that i thought i was going here but the holy spirit didn't let me and then i thought i was going here and then that didn't work so i ended up over here in europe it's like, okay, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. Discipleship, development, growth, so we don't have like some moral, gnarly collapse. Verse 7 Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The way we are viewed in the world matters. It matters. Everything you do matters. God has you in as an ambassador, right? We're an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven to earth. We bring pockets of the kingdom of heaven to earth to invade. How do we do that if we're not like living like we're supposed to, if we're not living and having like being who we say we are? So you're an ambassador. So we're called to a higher and much just such a greater standard than what the world is. I think about that a lot because I'm this baseball coach on my son's team and they slowly find out you're a pastor, you know, one by one. And boy, does that just, the looks, there's like looks. And it's also like, can you look like that and be a pastor? That's the other thing I think they wonder. Is that a, can you have a beard and have to yes, I I think so. Um, I hope so. It wasn't in this text, um, but the idea is like it. it, it I, sometimes I don't want to say it because I'm like, I'll just you know, I'll just be like really slow with it. But it, it helps me to step up because I'm so competitive. Reminds me like I, I want to see our kids do really well, but I don't want to blow my witness. It's led to some really good conversations with some of the guys and some of the, you know, it's been really cool, you know, and even some of them like. Canon's Cannon's like trying to invite him to youth group and stuff like that. It's really cool. It's awesome to b- build that relationship. But I, I always have to keep it in mind, you can blow this so fast by acting like a fool in front of everyone. Like, like if you just give into the flesh and do the whole full-blown competitive Chris that is just waiting in the wings, like don't do that. You know, be, we're repping Christ in everything we do. And uh, it was cool. So he had a game this last Thursday. And so we had our game. And as soon as it was done, I ran out as fast as I could. Not for any other reasons. I didn't run out, you know. I'm just kidding. The guys on the team I know. But I took off and and got to the game as fast as possible. And I was wearing my Calvary Carlsbad shirt. And they're like, oh, did you win? You know, they were like asking. And I got to tell them the whole thing, how it all went down. But it was like, so anybody who didn't know now knows. That we're part of a, a you know community. And I love that. I love it because a lot of times we think, you know what? Oh, we just gotta take all the pressure off ourselves. No, we need to be pushed. That's why we didn't do our our softball team as a name like, you know, you know, the oddballs or something like that. You know, it's like, no, it's Calvary Carl's We're here. So we better we we're gonna mess up, we're gonna say dumb stuff sometimes, but we're gonna like rally and we're gonna keep each other and we're gonna keep on moving forward because this is how we're supposed to be in the world. Not hidden from the world, but so that the whole world can see, but they can taste and see that he's good through us. They'll see him in us, right? They'll see our good works and they'll glorify the Father in heaven. They'll see something about it that's different and the conversations, they just keep coming. It's, It's interesting, both in the softball world and the baseball world. I've had many conversations about the Lord with people who don't go to church. But it's because you're willing to stand out there because they're just tripping out. Like, I have heard of Christianity. I feel like it's the people that say you're not supposed to do anything. You're never supposed to do anything. You're always supposed to, you know, stay away from doing bad things and be really boring your whole life. But you don't seem like those people because we're like probably the funnest, liveliest team out there, you know? So what is it about you? Because I'm interested. And that's where God wants us to be. So as a leader, that's a big deal. But it's also a big deal for all of us. So when we read these things, we go, yeah, again, I'm so glad I'm not a pastor. I'm so glad I'm not, I don't have to be qualified for all this, right? No, this is what we should want to represent and look like in the world. Those who are serious about following Jesus with everything we've got. Because that's where you see The big changes made. Wow. Let's pray. (laughs) Is that an exhaust or? Yeah, okay. There you go. Lord, thank you so much for your grace for us. We are so...